This is The Next Level, a brand new show on the Packet Pushers community channel, where real network professionals charge into difficult IT management situations, lead from the front, and get it right. Join us as we ask the hard questions that most people are too afraid to ask and figure out how to drive positive change in your organization. We'll take you from the CLI to CIO. Hi, I'm Damien Hoising from Packet Brigade. Hi, I'm Drew Conry-Murray from Packet Pushers. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about three essential ingredients for workplace performance and a framework to measure that performance. Joining us today is Dan Gold, an experienced thought leader in human resource management. Dan, would you please introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background with the audience? Thanks, guys. Yes, I have been in the human resources function for over 20 years. Uh, Most recently was the vice president of HR for Associated Estates Realty Corporation. My background is pretty diverse. I've worked for both privately held uh, businesses, working directly for the business owners, and for public companies, uh, both um, large companies and small companies, coming from a diverse set of industries. Uh, I mentioned real estate, but I've also worked leading HR for a transportation company, an engineering firm, software development, and uh, manufacturing. You know, I've worked in uh, a diverse set of HR functions, including training and development, total rewards or compensation and benefits, and um, talent acquisition. So I'm very happy to be on this podcast today. That's great. It sounds like your experience is perfect for talking about performance management. And, you know, I'm of the opinion that most of our listeners, they really take pride in their work and they get a lot of satisfaction out of, you know, doing a good job. Um, And obviously doing a good job can mean different things depending on your role. So like a network engineer may look at a data center build in terms of meeting functional requirements. A sales engineer might think about sales volume. Folks in R&D may think about how they overcame a challenge to meet a a deadline. We're, I think, today going to talk more about a universal framework that you can apply both for your individual performance and the performance of your team, as well as include your manager's perspective. Uh, And so, Dan, maybe you can kick us off by talking a little bit about why good performance management is really important, both for individual contributors and then for team leads, managers, and companies. Yeah, performance management and good performance management management practices is so very important to the success of organizations. Performance management is the framework for everything else that gets accomplished in the organization. It's the basis for the employment life cycle. So setting the expectations for when somebody joins the organization, uh, giving them the training and the development uh, to get the skills they need to, to be successful and to perform. Compensation decisions are often made based on merit and performance. Uh, promotions are, are also based on how well people, people develop throughout their career. So um, every other aspect of the employment life cycle is dependent upon performance. I don't have to talk too much about if you don't perform, what happens in the organization. You'll you'll find yourself moving on and moving on to another organization. So it is the basis for for really everything we do. Performance management facilitates the discussion between managers and employees about how the job is getting done. And that's really the most important aspect of performance management. Facilitating the discussion between the employee and the manager around what are the expectations for the job and how is the job getting uh, getting a comp. Performance management also facilitates identification of bench strength. As uh, performance is measured, 
we look at the knowledge and skills that people have and the desires that they have to succeed and start to, to lay the groundwork for developing the bench strength in that organization for promotional opportunities. Dan, you mentioned bench strength. Uh, that's a term I'm not familiar with. Can you give us a description? What, what is that? Bench strength refers to the, uh, the development of skills in the organization that are important for future growth in positions and future development of people's talent. So a company uh, will often develop successors, uh, folks that could either replace people that leave or take on bigger, more responsibilities within the organization. And so you're developing a bench of talent and, and the strength in their skill set. Your, um, your second baseman twists an ankle going after a ball. Well, who is on the bench with the skill sets uh, required that could step in and play second base to the same level that, that, that may be needed? So again, good performance man management is the basis for everything that gets done within the organization. And Dan, I understand that you've identified three ingredients that are essential for a good performance. Can you tell us a bit about what those ingredients are and how they apply? Sure, no, no problem. In order to get performance, you have to have three, you have to look at performance in, the, in these three ingredients, and they have to all be there in uh, the organization to get performance. The first ingredient is a, a set of knowledge, skills, and abilities. KSAs are often uh, identified per position to ensure that jobs get accomplished. Sometimes it's hard to find those knowledge, skills, and abilities, those KSAs in the marketplace. So when you do find them, uh, you know, identifying them, making sure that those are the important uh, skills that are required, and uh, really assessing those coming in is is very important. But knowledge, skills, and abilities is really owned by the employee. The employee has to have a set of knowledge, skills, and abilities to be able to perform the job correctly. I understand KSAs are owned by the employee, and that's the first essential ingredient. What are some of the other ingredients, Dan? Sure. The second is a desire uh, by the employee. The, there has to be a desire by the employee to perform the job that is, you know, the, the job that's to be done. When a baseball player steps onto the field between the lines, they control attitude and effort. Those are the two things that can be controlled by that baseball player. And so in the, in the work environment, if the employee can control the attitude that they display and the effort that they put in, those are the behaviors that are seen as, ha uh, as evidence of having a desire to do the job. So the employee has to have a set of knowledge, skills, and abilities to, to do the job and a desire to actually perform the job that's required. The third ingredient, though, is owned not by the employee, but it's owned by the company, by the manager. And that's the environment. The environment is the collection of practices, policies, guidelines, uh, collection of tools, 
resources, uh, documentation, um, financial included, uh, to support the job that's getting done. And so managers have the accountability for ensuring what the environment looks like in order to do to do the job. Does that include the, the culture as well, the corporate culture, the culture of the team? Y- yes, a- absolutely. And and corporate and, and corporate culture and culture on the team is is sometimes grown or developed with uh, in, in such a way that maybe there are certain characteristics of culture that impact the environment negatively, but ultimately it's the organization that has to establish that culture or that environment. Dan, so these these three ingredients, uh, knowledge, skills, ability, desire to perform, and environment, uh, two out of three you, you describe as being owned by the employee. And so that seems like, you know, you're uh, in some ways putting, you know, the employee's destiny in his or her own hands about their ability to perform, their willingness to perform. But, you know, sometimes I get the impression that folks often feel helpless or trapped or sort of controlled by the environment they're in. So do you, I guess I'm trying to get at what, what's the interplay here between how much do I control my own work destiny and how much is a function of the environment I'm in? Oftentimes employees that are, that do feel that way, uh, take on a, um, kind of a change the world, uh, approach to their job. And, and I think that's, you know, that's a very commendable approach, but sometimes they're not going to be able to do it. Oftentimes when, there's a set of policies and practices that the organization wants to to work in and the employee doesn't agree with doesn't fit that that um, that set of policies procedures practices um, they could try all that they want to perform they they very well may not be able to they might have the desire they might have the knowledge skill and ability but in that environment it just uh, they're just unable to do so, and therefore, ultimately, performance performance will lack. So that's interesting. So since environment is controlled by the company, and uh, one would assume that different inv- individuals will be a match for different types of environments. Is it when, when you're sourcing the talent that you look for a cultural match, or do you can you also de- design the environment a little bit to meet what's best for the team to sort of find a common ground? Sure. There's often oftentimes when we go into uh, the talent acquisition process, we're looking at assessing not only the technical skills, but we are looking at behavioral tendencies. It goes beyond just what does somebody value, but how do they perform in certain situations? Uh, so, such a, so, so, so there might be a, a behavioral-based set of interview questions that are asked to, to put that person into a situation um, that, that is similar to the type of environment that the organization has or, uh, or cultural tendencies that are, um, that are there in the, in the company to see if this person would be a good fit uh, to, to join the company. So um, there, there are ways to look at, you know, how does somebody fit into the culture or into that organization's um, set of uh, environmental factors. Do we need all three for high performance or can we get by with, you know, really strong marks in some areas and not others? So performance is setting expectations. The the best way to think about performance is to think about it as a blueprint. If you have this blueprint of what is expected and the person does that job, 
to that expectation, that's really performance. Um, so in that environment, this is the expectation, this is the blueprint. And if the person performs and does it, uh, does it well, great. They, they may be able to accomplish certain tasks, but they may ultimately not be performing. I could think of having a, a really perfect blueprint when you have a startup or a young organization and you, there's not a lot of moving parts. It's easy to define it. Um, but when you have an organization that's well established or maybe been around a while or even isn't so easy to define, I've seen some situations where they may source a leader, whether it be an executive or director level person, to come in and try to help provide focus and order in that. All three of these are part of the blueprint. And it's pretty clear to me that you can have a solid blueprint during a startup or a new company. But if you have a long established company and it's trying to improve or it's undergoing innovation or rapid change, is it, can you turn this on the head? So for example, can you hire a leader that with the expectation that that leader will come in and change the environment and change the blueprint to improve the performance of the company? Yes, a absolutely. And I think that happens, um, th that happens quite often in organizations where they, they make decisions to either change the culture, release products quicker, uh, improve customer service, um, some of these big initiatives, uh, but it takes it takes the establishment of those uh, environmental factors and and that expectation, and then measuring measuring performance against it. So so somebody who is within the organization been working there for twenty years may have worked out great, but now the blueprint changes, the expectations change, and either the knowledge, skills, and abilities aren't there or the desire isn't there to perform in that environment. Remember, it is the company that sets those expectations and that's the, it's management's responsibility to, to establish that blueprint for performance. I would think we've talked before about Nick Saban. For the audience who don't know who Nick Saban, and he, uh, Saban is, he's a football coach at, the, at, at Alabama, uh, gone on quite a winning streak and, and has a reputation for being a you know, hard-nosed perfectionist. He was featured in 60 Minutes, The Perfectionist. One of the things he commented on is that mediocre people don't like high performers and high performers don't like mediocre people. And, and so, so I've, I've seen the uh, 60 Minutes um, segment, which is available on, on YouTube. And, um, and it's interesting because people who do uh, perform, people who have a strong desire to operate within the 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 environment that is set forward, um, they're hard charging. They're working towards results. They're working in the way that the company wants them to work. And other folks that are not high performing um, tend to bog down the system. And, and other folks will look at those people and say, why, why aren't you pulling your weight? Um, likewise, the, the people who uh, are, are not pulling their weight can't keep up. They, they, they often find that they're getting um, left behind and therefore they don't like uh, 
folks that are, are charging hard forward and, and actually moving things uh, in the way that they need to. And they just won't fit that culture or that organization. So, so you tend to, to set, uh, Nick Saban tends to set a set high expectations and high standards and people that can perform will fit in. What should someone who considers himself a high performer think about a team teammate or working with someone they see as as mediocre? You know, are they is that kind of arrogant of them, or uh, you know, should they change their their mindset and try looking at it a couple different ways? Or how how hard should we try to engage someone who's mediocre before we cut them loose? So I, I it's it's really important for managers to kind of remember that it's up to them to set the expectations and measure performance against those expectations. But as team members, we need to check our own behavior and the behavior of our teams. And there are practices and, and great ways to help mentor and coach and, and uh, develop folks along in a peer kind of way versus a manager having to step in and, and have the performance discussion. Just to kind of reiterate, now that we know the three ingredients to enable high performance, how can we assess how we're actually doing and what's a, f- a framework that you would recommend to measure it? Sure. The, um, the process is a very simple process. It starts with setting expectations, moves to observing against those expectations, and providing feedback uh, on the, uh, on the b- observed behavior. And, it, and it's continual. So you, you move through this process, and as you give feedback, you start to look at the expectations again. And sometimes they change and, and evolve and develop, and then you, you observe again. So we'll start with setting expectations. And really, um, again, this is the manager's role uh, and responsibility within the organization. The expectations are often established in a document called a job description. Uh, job descriptions will lay out the uh, roles, the responsibilities, the outcomes, the competencies, uh, the skill sets that are required in that job. And the manager needs to have the discussions with the employee coming either coming into the organization or a performance review time or after a project uh, to reground themselves on what does that job description say? What are the responsibilities of the job? Should that include key performance indicators that are measurable? Key performance indicators, uh, uh, MBOs, uh, goal setting, um, behavioral expectations in that job. Uh, and um, those are all great components of of a good job description and a a good expectation setting. I'd like to ask how you deal with, you know, we've been using sports metaphors. Obviously, you know, on a football field, you can measure, you know, this running back has accumulated X yards over the season. That's obviously a a KPI. But what about there's certain job tasks or descriptions that don't, you know, have this sort of neat metric. What's, are there techniques or mechanisms for finding ways to, you know, put some kind of value or measure around something. Dan, I want to ask you, I've been using sports as a metaphor, um, you know, on the sports field, you know, a running back, they can get X number of yards per season. That's obviously an easy to account for metric. But what about, you know, there are jobs or parts of a job that that don't have a specific number you can tie to it. So are there techniques or mechanisms, ways to 
find some way to evaluate uh, or rank somebody's performance when there isn't you know a very easy number you can attach to it yeah that that's a great point drew to continue using that analogy and you look at the at the program that nick saban runs it's it's very equatable to how how performance gets reviewed in in business when an employee has a set of goals and objectives um uh, you, you you can look at the end result but performance isn't just the end result. Performance is uh, is measured through observed behaviors and the expectations on those behaviors. So, so Nick Saban says, don't worry about the score. Don't worry about the number of yards. Worry about going out there and doing your job and doing it the best you can and doing it per these behavioral expectations that we set. And the score will follow. The, the yards will come. Um, if if that running back does the job the way that it's supposed to be done, things will get accomplished and you will actually score. So, so it, again, uh, that's why uh, when looking at performance in this in this kind of way, as we talk about setting expectations around competencies and behaviors and and assessing those behavior behaviors uh, will lead to ultimate. Um, results. My takeaway from that is that KPIs are a nice quantitative way to measure results, but it doesn't measure how the job is done, which is critical for the long-term success and performance. And that's where the observation comes in. Ab- absolutely. It's a, it's, it, performance goes beyond just looking at the KPIs, but looking at um, how does one achieve uh, those results. That makes sense. Whether they're following the process, have a good attitude, all those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. So the second step in this simple process is to observe against the expectations. And this is where the managers have the responsibility to see how the job is getting done. And they have to be present. They have to be uh, uh, there um, working with their employees, interacting with their employees, communicating with their employees on the set of... uh, the set of behavioral expectations in order to get the job done, and and this is this is um, you know as as employees we need to to look inwardly as well. Uh, am I doing the job the way my boss wants me to do the job? Am I am I responding timely? Am I concise? Am I putting out um, so many lines of 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 code? Am I attaining the budget? I mean, whatever those behavioral expectations are, I have to look inside to see if I'm doing it. And then the, your boss or your manager is going to be doing the same thing. And if, the, if you're, uh, you know, when you're, when you're consistent, then performance happens. Uh, one thing that occurred, a question that came up in my mind as you were describing that was a great way to convey the expectations about how to do things. So, you know, the results are pretty straightforward, but as far as the how is like a workflow, flow chart, standards, uh, are those appropriate kind of ways to convey the how a job should be done? So organizations will sometimes, um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, have the uh, the competencies, the hows uh, listed on the job description. Oftentimes they may be listed in a competency uh, model document. But I find that with most of the uh, companies I've worked with and, the, and uh, the clients that I've consulted with, this is a candid 
discussion or set of discussions between the manager and the employee. Uh, oftentimes organizations aren't documenting these things uh, up front, but I find that the, the high-performing organizations will define uh, competencies and behaviors that are expected for performance. So what's the last step uh, or the, you know, the last part of the process? Yeah, the last step is actually then providing feedback. And, and that's really where, uh, where the rubber meets the road. It's, it's where the manager and the employee talk about whether it's once a year, and I will say that organizations that simply do it once a year are not uh, doing good performance management uh, practice, right? Um, but, um, but where they sit down and they talk about how did the job get done. Um, managers should be um, appreciative of the process and the person's effort, and they should, they should uh, give feedback in a developmental uh, kind of way, in a very non-threatening um, but direct and, and personal approach, and ultimately tying the feedback to the set of expectations. Um, thinking about it like a coach. A coach will point out um, not only that there was some, something that went wrong, but why did it go wrong and what could be done to, to fix it. What developmental uh, activities are there? What sort of uh, pitfalls are, are, are present and, and how to avoid making those mistakes again? Um, and they need to do it um, knowing managers need to give this feedback, knowing that their employees are watching the way they give feedback. Uh, if a manager calls out a team member in the middle of a team meeting, well, the employees are going to see that that's the kind of behavior that's acceptable, and oftentimes it's not. So managers have to be very uh, responsive uh, to their employees in the way they give this feedback. This is where the football analogy breaks down because I remember when I played football, <laughs> I knew when my coach wasn't happy with me because he would just scream at me across the field in front of everybody. Um, and, and that, but that worked for me in football. But in, in business, uh, clearly that could cause some animosity and, and some other things. So is the feedback dependent upon the communication style of the individual, you know, positive versus negative? What are some of the nuances we need to think about? Well, one, um, thinking about it from, from an employee's perspective, being open and receptive to, uh, to feedback is very important. And, and I've seen where employees will get uh, defensive um, about the work that they've done uh, when they're getting criticism from, from their manager or, or from a peer. And so being open to feedback is really, really important and, and really kind of sets the stage for um, uh, any developmental activities. But, but managers have to understand that the way they give feedback um, is very critical to the, to the success or performance of their team. That makes sense. It's got to be constructive and done in an appropriate manner. And I, I kind of believe that one's desire to seek out, actively seek out negative feedback is, or, or constructive feedback is really important for rapid improvement and rapid growth. And so if you're in a period of innovation or a period of change, my preference is to go out and seek out as quickly as possible as much feedback as possible. And that's part of the expectation setting, right? To have a, an expectation that um, one, that a person may stay on top of the, the next best um, technology or best practices within their industry and, 
continuously learn and develop, that may be a, a critical competency built into the expectation setting for that job. So I think that that process, well, you mentioned it is simple when you explain it, Dan. I did open up my eyes a little bit because I, I sort of thought, you know, we're measuring the what or the results, but measuring the how didn't really occur to me until you, you mentioned that you have to see how they're doing the job and see them doing the job. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to do it uh, over and over again. So once the once you give feedback, it's not over then because oftentimes there's a new project or there are changing um, priorities or uh, changes in the way uh, the, the employees are expected to behave. And so as a as the environment changes, as uh, the expectations change, there should be further discussions between the employees and the managers, um, and then the process starts all over again. A lot of what we talked about is really an ideal scenario or the ideal of how it should work, and just like in engineering, in the real world, nothing is 100%, so it's constantly a process of, of improving both the team and the lead, I imagine. So, you know, if, if there's a mismatch between the expectations and the team both meet somewhere in the middle. You can't just fire everybody, right? And <laughs> build a team from scratch. That doesn't that doesn't often isn't often an option. No, no, absolutely not. And and that's where uh, career development processes. And we talked about career, de- you know, development um, and training uh, happens um, as a result of you know the the organization, um, you know, m- moving moving and being successful with its performance. It's time for Sanity Check, a segment where we listen to real questions from real people about real situations that actually happen. Names have been changed to protect the innocent. So we have a question. A department manager writes in, when rolling out a new scheduling and communication standards across the department, to me, I interpret that as they're, they're defining the how, or they're changing the how and the expectation of their group. Uh, they continue to write, they encountered resistance to setting expectations for one of their largest groups. And it turns out the salary of that group is funded from another department, and there are strings and limitations on their duties. The other department's vision for the position differs significantly from her own, and there's little common ground. How can I maximize performance of the department when I don't have control over the expectation of the teams? Well, it's an interesting, an interesting question because I think it speaks um, very much to what we've been talking about as far as performance. And in this case, it, it sounds as though there may be different performance expectations between the group that is um, that's being managed and and the group that's trying to implement standards um, across the organization. Um, so re- regardless of where where the the department is funded, it it comes down to looking at the set of expectations and uh, the managers within that organization uh, getting on the same page uh, to identify. Uh, how how the job is to be performed, and therefore then you can get that expectation. So the environment there is is really kind of getting in the way of the knowledge, skills, and abilities, and the desires uh, the employees have to perform if if the environment isn't uh, consistently understood. 
I like the way you point out the environment. So in that in this situation, it might be incumbent upon the manager to have a good read and a good understanding of what the environment is before they make a decision to do any big changes of, of expectations. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. And 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 um, and really, ultimately, who has the accountability in this case for setting those performance expectations? Uh, it's the 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 manager of that team, and so. Uh, so looking for policies, practices, and guidelines, and developing that culture um, is is going to be that that manager's responsibility. Uh, we've got a second question, and this is holiday related. Uh, this person writes: I observe that one of my team members has an overdue assignment, but is spending a significant part of their day putting up holiday decorations at the office. How can I channel their desire to perform back into their duties? <laughs> Well, this is uh, this. This sounds like a peer coaching question, and um, and obviously, when we talk about uh, the expectations and and the observed behaviors, the uh, the um, uh, the employee that's um, seeing how their their team isn't isn't pulling their weight, uh, it's it's important to be able to provide good feedback and. And just as managers need to provide good feedback in a very constructive and positive way, um, peers can do that as well. They should um, look for ways to be uh, not not just providing the feedback, but doing it constructively in a way that's not going to come across as as I'm your boss. Here here's some feedback, but but in a way that um, speaks to more coaching. Um, and and personal mentoring, they may decide that it's important to um, to help the employee understand that that they're behind in their deadlines, and and can can even ask certain certain questions of their team with regards to what might be getting in the way of of um, you you know achieving your your deadlines. Is there a way that I can help you? Is there is there some assistance that I can provide? Uh, can I lend you a hand? Is there some knowledge that you might need or a tool? Uh, because I, I do notice that that um, you're you're behind, and we got to move things along and and take a very coaching approach. That that could be very helpful. I wonder if you guys would would buy it if we tried a, a framing approach, because you know, assuming this person has a desire to do you know to to work or desire to to do good for the organization, could we frame it in terms of saying? You know, hey, you know, putting up those holiday decorations look great, and we understand it does add value by making it a friendly place to work. But what's going to add more value to the organization? Finishing your assignment that affects the whole organization, or hanging up decorations that will, you know, make make it more pleasant for one department or something like that? Do you think framing it like that would be a good approach? Yeah, a, yeah, setting a a, a, a frame, framing it in such a way that. Um, helps the person understand what the priorities are and the time management, um, uh, where time management should be focused. You know that could very well be successful. I like the fact that you called it, you know, peer coaching. Um, that that's a nice way, I think, to phrase it. Although I have to say, if I found myself in this situation, I would feel really uncomfortable. You know, even in a nice way, trying to get somebody else on task. Uh, I, th I think that would be kind of tricky. Nobody. Well, I, it's going to be hard to do it where feelings don't get hurt. I think. Um, and you look and like a... you're right. And oftentimes, um, people will feel like any sort of feedback given by their peers being critical. 
they have alternate agenda. Um, and uh, I, I think that it, it, it stems from what are the expectations within that organization. I, I've seen and worked in organizations where um, peer coaching and, um, and development is very um, accepted. Uh, 360 degree feedback processes. And, and when I say 360, I mean uh, full um, a look from not only a performance evaluation, not only from your boss, but your peers and your direct reports, if you have them, uh, or your customers or your vendors is all incorporated into the process. And the more organizations do that, the more I think peer coaching will be accepted. Well, if you find yourself frustrated or scratching your head about something that IT management's doing or a team member is doing, and you want to ask us about it, please send us an email at nextlevel at packetbrigade.com. You can also use an anonymous survey monkey link that's in the show notes. All sources will be kept confidential and real names will never be used on the air. Thanks for joining us on The Next Level. I'm Damien Hoising. You can contact me at damien at packetbrigade.com. I blog on Packet Brigade and Packet Pushers. And I'm Drew Connery-Murray. You can find my blogs on packetpushers.net and you can follow me on Twitter at Drew underscore CM. If you have any questions with regards to uh, uh, performance management processes or, or any human resources, human capital uh, questions, you can reach me uh, directly at uh, dgold15 at outlook.com. Well, thanks, Dan, for joining us on the show. It was great to get your insights uh, on performance management. This is uh, obviously an important issue when productivity is is such high stakes these days. Uh, So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And for our listeners, we'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can leave comments on the blog post that accompanies this podcast on packetbrigade.net or drop us a line at nextlevel at packetbrigade.com. Thanks for listening.